Welcome to the Clinical Education Initiative podcast, Conversations with CEI, where we feature conversations with clinical experts, their experience and insights on current health issues in the areas of HIV, primary care and prevention, sexual health, hepatitis C, and drug user health. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with CEI. My name is Margie Urban. I'm an infectious disease physician at the University of Rochester and the medical director of the Sexual Health Center of Excellence, one of the centers that compose the Clinical Education Initiative, or the CEI. I'm here with my colleague, Dr. Daniela DeMarco, and we hope to talk to you today about DoxyPep. Hi, I'm Daniela DeMarco. I'm also an infectious disease physician at the University of Rochester and the Monroe County Sexual Health Clinic and with the CEI Sexual Health Center of Excellence. Well, thanks for joining us with Conversations with CEI. Like uh, Marge said, we're going to talk about doxypep today. So I think the first thing is just what is doxypep, Margie? Well, it is a hot topic in the world of sexual health. Doxypep is an abbreviation really for doxycycline as post-exposure prophylaxis. What that means is taking doxycycline after a sexual encounter, ideally within 24 hours of that sexual encounter, but it could be up to 72 hours, with the goal to prevent acquiring any bacterial STI from that sexual encounter. And so it's a little bit of a play on using the abbreviation PEP, which we know is used for HIV when we give post-exposure prophylaxis after a sexual encounter where there's a risk of HIV. And this is the use of an antibiotic, doxycycline, with the hope of preventing a bacterial STI, specifically gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis. Some of you listening might be wondering why we're doing this or why this is being studied. Really, we're seeing record high rates of these reportable bacterial infections like syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea, and even congenital syphilis, not just in New York State, but nationwide. And um, just looking for some other tools for the prevention toolbox in terms of addressing STIs. You might be familiar with what's out there already. There have been a lot of different guidelines about how to use doxypep or how to do doxypep for clinical providers. I think the early adapters were those out on the West Coast in California, where the U.S.-based study was done, and we saw some guidance coming out from San Francisco as early as October of 2022. And since then, we've seen several other sets of guidelines from different states and health department jurisdictions, especially since CROI earlier this year, really kind of trying to get the message out there to clinical providers in different areas about how to do this. But there's a bit of variability in terms of how to do it, who to prescribe to, and so forth. So maybe the next thing we could do is talk a little bit about the evidence surrounding doxypep. And big picture, we see from California that we can reduce overall STIs two-thirds. And those numbers were similar from a different trial that was done um, in France called Doxyvac. But, you know, Margie, what are your thoughts on these studies? You know, who was included and and who benefited? Who saw these improvements in STI rates? So you opened with sort of the large published study now that uh, came out in April of 2023 in the New England Journal. And that was a study that was conducted in San Francisco and Seattle. And it included men who have sex with other men and transgender women who have sex with men, but not all people in those categories. It was those who were either living with HIV and in care 
or those already on PrEP or about to engage in HIV PrEP, which is HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis. So those groups were randomized to receive either doxypep, which they would use uh, after sex, one to three days after sex to hopefully prevent an STI, or to receive standard of care, which meant routine education about uh, safer sex and routine testing uh, every 90 days. And in the end, it uh, turned out that the use of doxycycline as post-exposure prophylaxis reduced the rates of STIs in, in the group that took the doxycycline by about two-thirds. So gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis were all reduced in the groups that took doxypep. So that caused a lot of excitement. It was presented at the International AIDS meeting, and then more details were presented at the Retrovirus Conference, or CROI, in February. And that has led to really implementation of this even before some other studies have been published. And you know, a hot topic surrounding this is doxypep for cisgender women. So I think there's been one study so far out of Kenya that showed there was really no significant impact in this group. Do we know why that is? No. <laughs> so as you said, that this study was actually pretty similar. So it was the same uh, setup where the, the population, in this case, was cisgender women who were uh, taking PrEP and had high rates of STIs. I should have mentioned that about the prior study that the group that were included all had high numbers of partners and high rates of prior STIs, um, including uh, documented STIs in the prior year. So in this uh, group in Kenya, it was cisgender women on PrEP and with the same uh, protocol standard of care testing versus uh, doxypep after sex. And really there was no difference seen for any of the three STIs. There have been some speculation about why this might have happened and some early research reports. And some of the concerns are that maybe there was a difference in adherence. Maybe there was some stigma associated with taking the doxycycline. Maybe there's a difference in biology and you might not be able to take it 72 hours later, or there's something different about vaginal tissue. So it's really unknown. And hopefully we'll have more studies that will help to answer that question. Hopefully soon. A lot of people are anxious to, to roll out doxypep. Our next topic is talking about how do you do doxypep and, and how to prescribe. Um, Margie and I just finished collaborating with others on the New York State guidelines for doxypep. I'd like to just share with you the New York State recommendations. We're still waiting on recommendations or guidelines from CDC. For clinicians in New York State, it's recommended to offer doxypep to cisgender men and transgender women who have a history of a bacterial STI in the past year, who are engaging also in condomless sex with partners assigned male sex at birth, and who have ongoing risk of exposure to an STI. So that's the primary recommendation. On the next level after that, it's also recommended that clinicians engage in shared decision-making with cisgender men who have um, condomless sex with multiple partners assigned female sex at birth and have had a bacterial STI in the past year, really examining these individuals on a case-by-case basis for whether or not to offer doxypep. So that's sort of the picture of who, who is recommended to receive or be evaluated for doxypep. But then what else comes along with that? It's important to offer comprehensive sexual health services, That includes things like STI testing every three months, certain vaccines that are 
a natural complement to sexual health care, routine counseling on sexual health promotion and STI prevention, all of that about every three months. And that would also include HIV testing, of course. The other thing to remember when you're prescribing doxypep is to prescribe according to how it was done in the studies. So when you're offering this to people, we want to make sure that we make it clear in the prescription and any educational materials that you provide that it's 200 milligrams of doxypep ideally to be taken within 24 hours of a condomless sexual encounter and up to 72 hours if, if it can't be done within 24 and there's some important points about counseling, which we'll talk about shortly. Can I just jump in there that you said that the dose is doxycycline 200 milligrams after a sexual encounter. And we've been asked a, a few different times about what should happen if you have sex more than once a day. And so it is important to remember that you would never take more than 200 milligrams in a 24 hour period. What are some other important or practical tidbits of advice that you can think of that people might be interested in? Well, in the study, you know, it, it, it seems like these were participants that really had a lot of education about the use of doxypep. And it seemed like there really weren't very significant adverse effects. Uh, people came back for their testing and they, and they didn't have uh, too many side effects, really maybe a, a little bit of GI intolerance. But in the real world, since we've been implementing this in our clinic, really despite education, we've had some hiccups in how people have understood how to use the medication. So a couple of times we've had instances where individuals have forgotten to take the doxycycline after their sexual encounter and then develop symptoms after that sexual encounter. In this case, it was they were the symptoms were urethral discharge. Then on day four or five after the sex, they took the doxycycline because the symptoms reminded them that they could have taken it earlier. So of course, by that point, you have symptoms, you're, you're too late to prevent the infection. And now maybe you're partially treating an infection or maybe not even treating an infection if it's not the right choice of drug. So we've really had to be very careful with how we explain the use of this, really be sure that we're having to teach back so that the patient really understands how this should be used. We've also seen situations where individuals gauge their risk so, that, so they don't use doxycycline with all sexual encounters, but only for those encounters where they feel that they might be at risk. And sometimes that's turned out to, to not work out. So either it didn't work, and, and as we said, it only worked about two-thirds of the time. So that's a third of the time where maybe it's not effective and, or they didn't take it after the proper encounter. So the, the patients were still ending up with STIs. And we've had maybe a little bit of worry that if someone is taking doxypep, they might feel that they're 100% protected and be less likely to come in for testing. Right. So I think that's one of the great points is just making sure that patients understand it's still important to come in for that STI testing every three months, even if they have no symptoms and they've been taking their doxypep as prescribed. Also, a few side effects with butt. Generally, it's pretty well tolerated. You might want to talk to patients about uh, potential GI side effects, upset stomach and so forth, but it can also increase the skin sensitivity to the sun. And so wearing sun protection is also important in areas where you see a lot more sun than we do, generally speaking, in most of the year in Manchester. <laughs> And 
you know, we talked about there being different guidelines and these guidelines for how to prescribe doxypep and, and who to prescribe doxypep to exist on a continuum. And Margie, why do we see this sort of difference of opinion, do you think? Well, as you know, both of us were involved in in drafting the New York State guidelines with other members of the committee. And as you look out at the published guidelines, they range from fairly conservative to fairly liberal. And I think whenever in medicine you see such a plurality of opinions, it tells you that the data are still not complete. Medicine is such a gray area. We would really like things to be black and white and very clear. But really, I think we're, we're at the level of where the practice is a little bit ahead of the published research. And in fact, that Doxy article in April was just published, but there's another study out of France that we haven't mentioned that was presented, but is not yet published. So we're still, we're writing guidelines really ahead of the publications and really ahead of some of the research, I think. On the, in the future, I, I think we'll have more information about doxypep in more populations. So in potentially cisgender women or cisgender men who have sex with women, we'll have information about doxycycline as pre-exposure prophylaxis, which now there's really very small, small trials. And we'll have some real world implementation information that might better inform how we could implement this in the most efficient way possible. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the other thing everybody is waiting for more information on is really antibiotic resistance and how doxypep either does or doesn't uh, facilitate development of antibiotic resistance in people who are taking it or just the community at large. And these studies were pretty short that were done so far. And so I think it'll be a while before we get some more relevant long-term data on that topic. Yeah, I think as infectious disease specialists, antibiotic resistance, antimicrobial resistance is is really close to our heart. And so the idea that one would give an antibiotic that is potentially not needed really makes you almost shudder. So I guess we're we're sort of well on our way into this conversation before we've mentioned antibiotic resistance, but that is the major concern. I think we, we do know that doxycycline is generally safe and well tolerated. So while an individual might have GI intolerance or photosensitivity, you know, on a population level, that's not, it's not that overwhelming, but the potential for antimicrobial resistance could, could impact both the individual and the population. And so that is a worry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, for now, I think we're going to leave you with what we think is going to be part one of DoxyPep. And we'd like to come back to you after the first of the year and share a little bit more, potentially with more data. But definitely diving into the weeds a bit more on the existing evidence for doxypep and any guidelines that come out in between now and then. So come visit us again after January and we'll see you soon. Maybe I can just end with, if you are interested in seeing the New York State guidelines for doxypep, you can find those on the website hivguidelines.org. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time for a new episode of Conversations with CEI. Visit us at ceitraining.org and follow us on CEI social media platforms.